Well, good morning. Good to be here. Beautiful day outside. Um, we're, we're just happy to be here. We were at a wild, wild party last night. Um, Charlotte had her uh, three-year-old birthday party down at the uh, pool. And uh, there was cake and ice cream and lots of kids, lots of running around, lots of fun. Um, I think she had a good time. Lots of presents, right, Charlotte? Yeah. All right. Um, we are going to be in uh, Genesis chapter 50 uh, this morning. We've been, uh, during our Kaya worship on, on Wednesday evenings at 7, um, we've been working our way through the Bible, and we just finished our four-week study on Joseph. And the thing about Kaya, and, and I, I love it, is that it's really a study of what's going on in the Scripture. Um, it, it's just breaking down the Scripture. But I felt like there's so much to be learned from Joseph's life that we really need to take a look at it and, and draw out some of the um, life lessons that we can get from it. And that's not something we really do during Kaya. We, we really just... Uh, talk about the scripture. So um, if you turn to Genesis chapter 50, we'll start in verse 15, working our way through verse 21. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. And if you are physically able, we ask you would stand for the reading of God's word. Genesis chapter 50, starting in verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin. For they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of your servants, of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in place of the God, in place of God? But as for you, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about um, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones, and be comforted, and comfort them, and spoke kindly to them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for another day. Thank you for uh, the opportunity of another day. Thank you for bringing us together in your house where we can come and and, and worship you together freely. Lord, we have so much to learn from you, um, but we also want to take a look at Joseph's life today and and see what you have to teach us. Lord, I pray that these words would be yours and not mine. Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds are open to your word. Lord, speak to us today. Allow us to feel your presence as your servants are listening. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, the story of Joseph 
starts in chapter 37 and goes all the way through chapter 50. Uh, we covered most of it the last four weeks. But for those of you that, that might not have been here, maybe you, you missed a couple, um, I want to kind of give you the backstory of Joseph, just a very brief overview of what we've learned. Um, it's hard to just pack in four weeks worth of material in, in, in just a couple minutes before we get to our... Uh, I have four points for you today, by the way. You're uh, extra lucky. Um, well, Joseph was uh, the son of Jacob, the grandson of Isaac, and the great-grandson of Abraham. He was Joseph's favorite son. He was Joseph's favorite, or I'm sorry, he was Jacob's favorite son. The reason he was Jacob's favorite son was because he was the firstborn son to Jacob's wife, Rebekah. And Jacob's wife, Rebekah, was the wife that he truly loved. He also had another wife named Leah. Uh, didn't love as much because he kind of got suckered into that marriage. Uh, and he had ten children with Leah and three of their handmaidens. Um, but he had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin, with his true love, Rebecca. Um, as I said, Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. And he sent J Joseph out in the field one day to check on his brothers. Because he knew that when Joseph came back, he would give an accurate report of what was going on. He trusted Joseph in that manner. Now, he loved Joseph so much that he gave him this garment, this coat. It says it was of many colors. It was probably long-sleeved. It was definitely something that separated him from his brothers. And when you think about it, God does the same thing for his children. Right? He gives us the Holy Spirit. There's something about God's children that is just a bit different. I noticed it before I was saved. I, I, I would go into Agape and I would see the, the men and women there that were saved. And you could just tell there was something different about them. Right? And I think this is something that can be a turnoff to those that are unsaved. They see something different about you and they don't like it. It's very similar to what is happening here. His, his father made him stand apart, stand out. His father gave him something that made him look a bit different, seem a bit different than everybody else. So his brothers did not like that. So what did they want to do? They wanted to kill him. But Reuben, having the good sense that he did, he said, no, 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 let's not kill him. We don't want his blood on our hands. So when they decide, okay, we'll just throw him in a pit and let time do what it's going to do to him. Well, then his other brother, Judah, while he's sitting in the pit, Judah says, well, what good does that do us? We, we don't get anything out of that. Let's sell him. And that should remind you a little bit of Judas, right? Because what happens is Judah ends up selling his brother for 20 shekels of silver. Now, who does he sell him to? He sells him to the Ishmaelites and the Midianites. Well, who were they? They were his own relatives. The Ishmaelites and the Midianites were relatives of Joseph. If you look at Abraham, his first son was Ishmael, right? He had with uh, Sarah's handmaiden. Because Sarah couldn't get pregnant, she says, take my handmaiden, and he had Ishmael. Well, then Sarah does have a baby, Isaac, and Ishmael does something to Isaac that Sarah doesn't like, laughs a little bit. 
Sarah says, get Ishmael and the mother and get him out of here. Sends him out into the wilderness. After Sarah dies, Abraham remarries. He's now over 100 years old, and he has another son, Midian. And those are the Midianites and the Ishmaelites. So really, Joseph got sold into the families of his great uncle, of his two great uncles. Well, they don't hold on to him very long. They take him down. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed a part. Very important. His brothers take that coat from him of many colors, spread blood on it, bring it back to their father and say, does this belong to your other son? He says, it does. He thought he had died. He thought he had been killed. So the Ishmaelites and the Midianites bring uh, Joseph down to Egypt and they pass him off to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar is a, a big wig in the, um, in the, in the uh, Egyptian army. And he excels him off as a slave, but it doesn't take very long before uh, Potiphar realizes there's something special about this boy. He's only 17 years old. He's only 17 years old, and his brothers wanted to kill him. They threw him in a pit. He's been sold into slavery, and now he's in a land where he doesn't even speak the language. He's in Egypt. And he's, there's something special about him, and Potiphar sees it. So Potiphar puts him in charge of his entire house, everything he owns. His businesses, his household, everything he owns, Joseph is in charge of it. In fact, the Bible says that the only thing that Potiphar had to worry about when he came home was the food on his plate. That, 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 that's having everything taken care of for you. Now, Joseph was an attractive man, probably looked very similar to me. And Potiphar, Potiphar's wife happened to notice. So Potiphar's wife keeps coming on to him, keeps hitting on him. And he keeps trying to stay away from her. Well, one day, she's probably not used to this kind of uh, rejection in her life. She's not used to people telling her no. So she gets aggressive, grabs hold of Joseph one day when she grabs him alone. And he gets scared and runs. And as he runs, he leaves his garment in her hands. Well, when Potiphar gets home, his wife says to him, look what your servant tried to do to me. He tried to come on to me. He tried to rape me. And I screamed out and he left his garment behind. Now this is the second time in a couple chapters that he's lost a piece of clothing and it was used to tell a lie on him. I don't know if Potiphar believed his wife or not, but he ends up putting Joseph in prison. I feel like somebody in Potiphar's position, as high up as he was, could have had Joseph killed if he had wanted him to. That's what makes me think maybe he didn't completely trust his wife. Puts Joseph in prison. Well, while Joseph's in prison, he starts running the prison. The jailer sees there's something special about Joseph and says, you're now going to be in charge of the prison. He starts running everything in jail. Well, one day, the uh, uh, Pharaoh, who was over all of Egypt, and probably the most powerful man in the world at the time, gets angry at his butler, and his, or his, his uh, cupbearer, who's also butler, and his baker. Baker burnt the cookies and the butler spilled his wine. He got angry, sent him to prison. Now they're under Joseph's care. Joseph noticed that they're down one day, look a little bit sad, long in the face. And Joseph says to him, what's the problem? They said, well, we had these dreams and, and, and we, we don't know what they mean. There's nobody to interpret them. And Joseph, always giving credit to God, said, well, isn't it God that interprets dreams? Tell me your dreams and I'll tell you what God says about them. So they both tell him their dreams. 
And he says to the, the, the cupbearer, the, the butler, he says, I've got good news for you. You're going to be out of here in three days. You're going to be elevated back to your position standing next to the Pharaoh. And he said, well, that's good news. And the baker says, hey, I, I, what about me? That, that sounds like pretty good. What, what, what does my dream say? He says, I got good news and bad news for you. You're going to be out of here in three days also. Bad news is they're going to hang you and then birds are going to eat your flesh. So it came to pass. But before the butler left prison, Joseph said to him, don't forget about me. Tell the Pharaoh about me. I don't deserve to be down here. I was lied on. Get me out of here. Tell the Pharaoh. Don't forget about me. So what does the butler do? He forgets about him. Sometime later, the Pharaoh has a, a dream and is really troubled by it. And so he brings in all these wise men and he, and he says, interpret this dream for me. Only none of them can do it. They don't know what it means. But Joseph... He, or not Joseph, I'm sorry, the cupbearer standing next to the Pharaoh, and he remembers Joseph. And he says to the Pharaoh, hey, I got a guy. I know somebody in prison. They did this for me. They call up Joseph. So now he's in the palace before the Pharaoh, and he interprets his dream. And he said, your, the interpretation of your dream is God has shown me that you're going to have seven years of just feast, seven years of just prosperity. Things are going to be great for seven years. The problem is, the last seven years are going to be really bad. You're going to have a famine for seven years. So, he says, you probably don't want to get somebody in charge of that before it starts. And the Pharaoh says, well, you know what, I kind of like you. You seem like a bright kid. Puts Joseph in charge. Not only does he just put him in charge of this, he puts him in charge of everything. He's second in command over all of Egypt. All of he, he's basically the second most powerful man in the world right now. So powerful, the, the uh, Pharaoh gave him his signet ring. A signet ring is a ring that he puts on his finger, and it, and it has a, a, like an emblem in it, carving in it. And what he does is he would push that down into some wax, and that was like his signature. That was his seal of approval. He took it off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. That's saying, whatever you say, I say also. That's how much power he had. And this is how you know Joseph is a bigger man than I am. Because my first stop would have been to see Mr. and Mrs. Potiphar and, and settled our uh, misunderstanding. But he didn't do that. He took charge. He starts storing up the food. He starts building places to, to keep the food for when there is the famine. Sure enough, the famine comes. And who comes knocking but his brothers. Ten of his brothers come looking for food. And they come before him, but they don't recognize him because he looks like an Egyptian. Hebrews would have had a lot of facial hair, long hair, but he was clean shaven. That's the way Egyptians were. They, they thought it was very cleanly to be clean shaven. So they didn't recognize him. Plus, it had been a long time. Been, I think we said 22 years since they had seen him, right? So they didn't look the same. They weren't expecting to see him, but he recognized them. He gives them their food, but he says, you all seem like spies to me. He calls them spies three or four times. And they said, no, we're not spies. They start telling about this story, uh, how they have a brother back home and a father. And Joseph says, tell me about your brother. And he said, well, he's back at home and our father loves him more than us because he lost his other son. So he sent us. And he said, I don't believe you, you're spies. He said, leave one of your brothers here. 
go home and get your other brother and bring him to me so I know you're not spies. So they leave Simeon behind. They go home with their sacks of grain and the money that they brought. Somebody put the, the money back in the bags of grain as they went home. Well, apparently they didn't care a whole lot about Simeon because they didn't send Benjamin back with them until after they had gone through all that grain. This is about the second year of the famine. And the father, Jacob, decides, well, if we don't send Benjamin back, then we're all going to die because we need more food. And the, this Joseph, they don't know who he is, but he won't give him any more food until he sees Benjamin's face. So he sends Benjamin back. While they're visiting, Joseph plays a little, little uh, uh, test on his brothers. He brings out all of his brothers, including Benjamin, into his house, and, and, and he serves food. But he gives Benjamin five times as much as his brothers. Just like when he was a kid and he would get all the attention. He would get the favoritism from his father. He wants to see if his brothers are going to treat Benjamin the same way they treated him when he shows Benjamin favoritism. Well, they don't. In fact, when they're leaving, he says, you know what? He tells one of his servants, put my silver cup in Benjamin's bag. Just put it in his bag. So he puts it in their bag, they get all ready to leave, get their donkeys ready, and they take off. After they've gone a little ways, Joseph says to one of his servants, he says, go track them down, find my cup, and bring back whoever has my cup. Servant catches up to him and says, one of you has stolen the silver cup from the palace. And they say, no, we wouldn't have done that. We, we, we just came to get our, 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 we're good people. We brought you double money this time. We wouldn't have done that to you. So they take down their sacks. They start opening them up one by one, starting with the oldest brother. Finally, they get to the youngest brother. Benjamin has a silver cup in his bag. And he's the... They say, we don't know anything about this. We're going to come back to Egypt with Benjamin. They go back to Egypt. Joseph says, you all can leave. Benjamin needs to stay. And what happens? Judah. Judah steps up. Judah, the one that sold Joseph for 20 shekels of silver, is now going to take, instead of looking like Judas, he's now going to take uh, on the role of Jesus. He He goes to Joseph and he says, listen, let me take his punishment. Judah didn't do anything wrong. He's an innocent man, just like Jesus was. And he's willing to take on the punishment of somebody else. That's what Jesus did for us. So you see how Judah went from Judas to Jesus in just a couple of chapters. It's a beautiful story. So, finally, Joseph reveals himself. He sees that the hearts of his brothers have changed. And he decides to reveal himself to them. After he reveals himself to them... He says, go get my father, go get your families, bring them all back here to me, let me take care of you. You can live here with me and have the best of everything. And that's what they did. Now, that brought us up to uh, our reading in chapter 50. And what I want to point out to you is, regardless of Joseph's situation, he always prospered. 
It didn't matter where he was put, what situation he was put in, what life threw at him. He always prospered from it. So what I want to preach on today, I want to give you four points on what do you have to do to make the best out of a bad situation. There's four things we can learn from Joseph as to how we can turn a bad situation into a good one. How can we get the best out of a bad situation? Number one, don't let what you go through change your character. Don't allow the things that happen to you to change your character. Notice throughout Joseph's life, he maintains his integrity and his ambition. These are things we never see change throughout the story of Joseph. His integrity. We know he had integrity. His, his father trusted him so much to give a good report. It was Joseph that he was sent out into the field. When Potiphar's wife is coming on to him, he has the integrity to say, no, I will not sin before God. Pushes her away. He has integrity. He's also ambitious. He went from a slave to running Potiphar's house. He was sold to Potiphar. Now he's running Potiphar's house. He was thrown into prison, and he starts running the prison. Right? He went from prison to running the prison. Then he goes to before the Pharaoh, and now he is second in command of all of Egypt. He is ambitious, and he um, has integrity. He's almost killed by his family. His own family. He's 17 years old, and his own family wants to kill him. They throw him into a pit. He's sold into slavery. He's lied on by Potiphar's wife. He's thrown into prison. If anybody deserves to be bitter, it was Joseph. But he didn't become bitter. And that's the lesson that we need to learn. Don't let bitterness of other people make you bitter. Don't make someone being ugly to you make you ugly. Let other people be bitter and ugly and mean. Nasty to you. Don't, don't look at anybody. Don't, that's not nice. Don't let them affect you. You are a child of God. Don't let someone else's ugliness and bitterness and the way they treat you in a bad way steal your joy. Don't let that affect the person that God made you to be. But can I flip that on you? If you look at the other side of it, because it goes both ways. Have you ever known somebody that came into money? And they changed. Or maybe they, they got a better job. They start making a little more money. They start hanging around other people. They seem to change in some way. Look at what uh, Joseph did. He was the same man he was in the palace as he was in the prison. The same man. His ambitions didn't change. His character didn't change. You would think, imagine this was you. You were a 17-year-old kid, and, and you were sold into slavery. And a short time later, you're now second in command of basically the world. Because at the time, Egypt was, was the most powerful land in the world. Now, you're second in command there? 
Would that change you a little bit? Think about people winning the lottery. Talk about winning the lottery. This kid won the lottery. It didn't change him a bit. That's why I look at Kate and I'm so amazed by her and how she can stay so humble marrying into to all this money that my teacher salary provides us. So don't allow what happens to you change your character. Don't let the situations in life, the people that are in your life, change your character. Don't let them change who God intended you to be. Don't let them take your joy. Because they did not take Joseph's. Second, the second way to make the best out of a bad situation is to not let what you've gone through stop you from helping others. Don't allow the, the, the situations in your life to stop you from being a blessing to anyone else. When God gives you the opportunity to help someone, you have an obligation to do it. Joseph very easily could have sent his brothers away. When his brothers came to get that food, he had every right to just say, get out of my presence. He didn't have to tell them who he was. He could have just said, leave, you're not getting anything. But he didn't do that. Joseph knew that God had put him in that position for a purpose. He had the opportunity to help people who didn't deserve it, but he chose to be a blessing to them. Don't allow other people to struggle if you have the means to help them. If you see somebody, say, uh, struggling to lift groceries into their car, God bless you with a strong back, help them lift those groceries into their car. You have an obligation. God puts you in a position to help others. If, if your neighbor's out shoveling the snow on their driveway and you have a plow, help them. It, it, it's our obligation when we, God gives us the means and, and the ability to help other people, to help them once they come into our lives. It's called planting a seed. When you're a blessing to somebody else, it means you're planting a seed. I think um, our problem oftentimes is, is our, our sight. We have blinders, right? We plant a seed right here, and that's where we expect to, to reap our rewards from that seed. But that's not how it happens, right? This might be the, where I plant my seed, but I might get a blessing. My, my harvest might come from this soil over here. I may plant a seed um, with him, but God may bring her into my life to bless me. That's how planting seeds work. But all too often times, we expect whoever we helped out to repay the favor. That's not being a blessing to anybody. That, that, that's not um, planting a seed. That, that, that's doing something to try and get something in return. And that's not what God wants from us. So, to make the best out of a bad situation, you have to not let what you're going through change who you are. And second, don't let it stop you from blessing others. Third, don't allow your situation to make you stingy with your gift. What is the gift that God gave Joseph? Gave Joseph 
the ability to interpret dreams. Joseph was a dream interpreter. He used the gift in the palace and the prison. He used his gift in the palace, in front of the Pharaoh, and in the prison, in front of the prisoners. He used it in both places, two extremely different places, but he didn't, he didn't hold back his gift. You're obligated to use your gift wherever God places you. Remember, the gift God gives you is a blessing. If you don't know what your gift might be, it's something you need to pray about. You need, something you need to pray that God will reveal to you. Also, you have to remember that God has you where you are for a reason. Look what happened to Joseph. He ha- if he hadn't used his gift in prison, if he just said, you know, I, I, you're not worth my time. You're just prisoners. I'm in jail. I'm not going to use my gift to interpret your little dreams. He never would have gone up to the palace. He never would have been recommended to the pharaoh. He never would have become in charge of uh, the, 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 the um, charge of Egypt. He never would have been put second in command. His brothers never would have come to him. They wouldn't have even known about the famine. Many people would have died. His family would have died. But they didn't, all because he knew that his gift was to be used wherever God had put him. God put him in prison. That's where he used his gift. While we're on the subject of of gifts, notice he didn't try and leverage his gift with the Pharaoh. Do you notice that? uh, If you think about it, if you're imprisoned falsely for something, right, you don't deserve to be there. Somebody lied on you and and now Joseph's in prison. Now he's standing before the Pharaoh who can control everything. He doesn't say to Pharaoh, yeah, I can interpret your dream. But you got to get me out of jail. You got to get me out of there. I don't, he didn't bargain. He didn't negotiate. Because your gift isn't supposed to uh, bring you things. It's supposed, to, uh, it's supposed to bring glory to God. That's what your uh, gift is supposed to be used for. And that's exactly what Joseph does. He doesn't try and use it as a bargaining chip. So don't let your situation make you stingy with your gift. Finally, my fourth point. Don't allow the struggles in life. Don't let them make you question the presence of God. We talked a little bit about this last week when we talked about thorns, how we all have thorns. And not to uh, let that thorn that, that, that Paul had. Don't let that, don't think of that as the absence of God. We, we talked about being the presence of God. And this is, this is similar. Don't allow the struggles in your life to make you question the presence of God. Take a look at verse 20. It says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many alive. 
Just those two words, but God, change everything. Just the word but negates what came before it. Just that word but negates what came. For example, somebody owes you money. And they come knocking at your door and they say, hey, Jennifer, I, I came by to pay you back that money that I owe you. But as soon as you hear that but, you know you're not getting your money. Right. I, I, I would love to come visit your church next Sunday, but they're not walking through that door. Anytime you hear but it cancels out what happened before the but. As a teacher. You'll have kids come up to you and say, I did my homework, but you're not getting that homework turned in. Look at verse 20 again. It says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Joseph negates what they did with the but. So where it says, you meant it for evil, but he wiped all that out. What they did for evil, wiped away because of God. But God. And he explains that God had his hand in it. And that's why what they did for evil doesn't mean anything. No matter how bad the situation may be, always remember, but God. I'm sick, but God. I lost my job, but God. My spouse left me, but God. As long as you have God in your life and you can say, but God, it wipes everything else behind it away. God is always there with you through the storms of life. We see in Hebrews 13.5, for he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So what do you have to do to make the best out of a bad situation? First, don't let what you go through change your character. Second, don't let what you've gone through stop you from helping others. Three, don't allow your situation to make you stingy with your gift. And finally, number four, don't allow the struggles in life to make you question the presence of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Joseph. Thank you for showing us the, the, the lessons that we can learn from this man. Lord, this is a man that, that we never see any sins uh, throughout his story of Joseph. We know he did sin. We know there's only one perfect life, and that was lived by Jesus. But we thank you for this model, somebody that we can look to and learn from. Lord, I just pray that we would take the, what we've learned today, take the lessons from Joseph and apply them to our lives so that we can be better Christians. Lord, allow this light that we have inside of us to shine. Let us lead others that are lost out of the darkness. Lord, I pray that any situation that you put before us, that we would be able to make the best out of it. Lord, I pray that we would be able to help those. We would use what you've given us in life to help others, Lord. Lord, be with us as we go throughout the rest of this week. Lord, keep us safe, happy, healthy, and mostly, 
Lord, allow us to feel your love in our lives and allow us to show your love to others. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.